0: Listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. My Pride was just a veil by What Becomes of You on AO Three. It's a gradual thing, letting Elliot back into her life. There's nothing she'd love more than to dive off the deep end and submerge herself in the possibilities of what they could be. But it took her so long to recover from the hurt of when he left her before, and she's not entirely sure she won't wake up one morning and find that this is all but a delirious fever dream. That Elliot isn't really back, that he's as invisible to her as he'd been for the ten years leading up to his sudden reappearance. She can hide her intent beneath the surface. She has the sun now, after all. And Noah's heart, pure and gentle as it is, is something she valiantly seeks to protect. So when she tells Noah, even weeks after the holiday party, where he'd met the entire Stabler family, sorry, sweet boy, Elliot is busy this weekend. It's as much for her as it is for him. Even though Elliot isn't busy, as far as she knows, but she knows that look in her boy's eyes. It's the one that wants nothing more than to continue bonding over video games and other boy stuff with Eli. The one that wants to get to know the strange guy who brings small smiles to his mom's face. And she doesn't want him to get attached because it's one thing for her to be attached, but another thing entirely for him to form his own attachment. She's known Elliot since the late 90s It's been nearly a quarter century of his name and her phone, of knowing that somewhere out there, there's a well-built man with steel blue eyes and a powerful right hook that would do anything to defend her, even if she didn't ask for it. One who'd call her his partner and give her that little smile, like he has a secret that he's dying to tell her, but never quite does. Hey there, she texts him, on her way out of the precinct one day. You free? They're working on this friendship thing. She's texted him more over the past several weeks than she thinks she's texted anyone, ever. There's something about seeing his name appear on her screen that makes the distance between them seem not so far. Not at all. Her detectives have taken note of the boss's new texting habits. Wisely, they haven't said two words to her about it. Only the furtive nod and knowing smile when she slips her hand into her pocket and smiles downward a moment later. No one smiles at their crotch like that. It takes a moment before the telltale dots appear, but she receives a reply. On way to Morgue, they found him. She doesn't need to ask who the him is. Let me know, she replies, before shoving her phone in her pocket and taking the long way around to get to the parking garage. Olivia isn't a woman who seeks the solace of prayer, not like Elliot does, but she bows her head against the wind and finds herself muttering a simple request into the universe. Bring him peace. It's all she's wanted for both of them, for so long, and it seems as though peace eludes their grasp more often than it doesn't. She's halfway home when his name reappears on her screen as an incoming call. As soon as she accepts the call on the speaker, she hears the rasp and the break of his voice. It was him, Liv. It's over. Oh, Elliot, she says and she pulls over in a newly vacated parallel parking spot and she rests her hands against the steering wheel. Are you okay? Do you need me to come get you? She mentally calculates how long it'd take to get to the morgue from where she is. She doesn't think it'd be far, really. She could be there in 20 minutes or so, if the traffic cooperates. Katie's on her way already, he says, his voice a hoarse rasp. He looks so bloated from his time swimming in the bay. Nothing like the goddamn fucker who caused all of us so much grief. She doesn't miss the emphasis on all of them. Wheatley's vendetta may have started with Kathy, but it eventually extended to Bernie and Elliot and even Olivia herself, as her ankle, twinging with a slight gasp of pain, casually reminds her. Enclosure is a myth, and nothing can take away the pain and anguish that Wheatley's caused, but there has to be a slight measure of relief. To see his corpse laying there on the slab... She'd felt that way with Lewis, once. Their bogeymen are now slain. They've seen it with their own eyes. But the scars that have been inflicted still remain. He deserves it, she says. All of it. I hope he suffered. She doesn't like talking like this. But when it's Wheatley she's talking about, she's okay with it. She'd prefer that the justice he received was of the legal variety, But the cosmic, eternal justice that was delivered is fine by her too. There were glass shards in his knuckles, Elliot says with a rich, bitter laugh. He survived the initial fall, but the water was what got him. Tide took him away from the car. That's why they didn't find him when they found Angela. She rests her forehead against the cool steering wheel and lets out a sigh. If this had happened a year ago, She'd be asking him if he'd be on his way back to Rome right about now. Now that the mystery of his wife's death is as solved as it'll ever be. But a lot's happened in the year. But a lot's happened in the year he's been back. And somehow, it seems unlikely now. As if Rome belongs to another lifetime entirely. Tell me what you need, L. Right now, as he stands in the tenuous space between one lifetime and another, She's willing to give him what he needs. The whole tentative rediscovery of their friendship has been at her pace, but she needs to know where his head is at before they can move forward. His breath comes across the phone ragged, harsh, as he says, I need my friend Olivia, in a broken whisper. It's always been you. Whatever he's going to say next is cut off by the sound of Kathleen's familiar voice greeting him, soothing him. She can imagine the young woman laying a hand on his shoulder, daddy's little girl trying to call out to him across the void of despair, and then she hears Kathleen get on the phone. Olivia? She asks, though she doesn't wait for an answer before she continues to talk. I'm going to take dad home, okay? He looks like hell. There are grumbles of disagreement, and Olivia can't help but laugh, if even a little. Tell him to take it easy tonight, she says. I'll be in touch later. You're a literal angel, Kathleen says, and as the call ends, Olivia looks at the screen as it fades to her background, Noah grinning, with a measure of disbelief. I need my friend Olivia. It's always been you. Always been you. You. It's the closest they've come to any new admissions of their feelings in months. Friends, that's one thing. Anything more has been set aside, waiting for that moment when both of them can look at what they have with clear eyes and open hearts and make that decision once and for all. She's changing out of her work clothes at home, stripping from a smart professional suit with matched blazer to yoga pants and a long-sleeved t-shirt when she sees it sitting propped up against her vanity mirror. Picking up the medallion in her hand, she turns it over, feels the weight press against her palm. Once there'd been a time where it was his medallion, and he'd sent it to her after his unceremonious departure. And for a time she'd worn it around her neck, like a promise ring from a high school boyfriend gone overseas, until she felt weighted down by it. It'd gone in her jewelry box, below a strand of pearls her mother had given her for graduation. Brian didn't know it was there, nor did Ed. It was her little secret. It'd been when she was looking for something to wear to the holiday party at Elliot's, incidentally, when she'd found it, tucked against the bottom corner. With a small smile twisting at the corner of her lips, she'd taken it out. Not today. Instead, she allowed it to sit next to a framed picture of the two of them, some old, candid shot they'd used a couple of times when they needed to pose as a couple undercover. It, too, had been hidden away until she allowed it to see the light again. The reason she knows Noah doesn't snoop in her room is because he hasn't asked her why there's a picture of her and Eli's dad on her dresser. That's a conversation she wants to hold off as long as she can though she knows it'll come sooner than she thinks. She stares at the medallion next to her badge, two halves of a whole. The next day, as she slips on yet another one of her blazers, she pins the medallion to the lapel, above her heart. From a distance, to anyone who doesn't know better, it looks like a new choice of jewelry, although it's something she's had for many years now. Even though Elliot can't see it, she feels that much closer to him in that moment, wearing his medallion as she strides through the doors of the precinct. Ayanna calls her later that day. So about our plan with Donnelly and Stabler. I just finished recording that podcast I was telling you about. Now we wait. Shouldn't be too long before they post it. Maybe a day or two for editing. This. This is what she's missed conspiring together with him, making plans to take down the real bad guys, and Belle fits into their plans as if she's been there all along, instead of being a latecomer. Yeah, McGrath will probably love that I'm choosing to pop in and say hi, so that he doesn't have to chase me out to a scene to get a word in edgewise. She knows her part in this isn't entirely necessary, but if she's there, it makes the whole thing that much more credible. Besides, if Elliot's about to go off half-cocked into this newest endeavor of his, she's going to be right beside him. Partners for life and all that. On the day when she's awakened by a text message from Ayana telling her to meet McGrath at 1pp at 10, she smiles to herself. She's used to being a cog in the rumor machine mill with Elliot, though it's been a while. Now, though, they're inviting the drama and the wagging tongues the people who see one thing without knowing the truth of the matter. That's the difference between then and now. She doesn't miss how his eyes catch on it. As soon as he sees her, and there's a gleam there. And despite their harsh words and raised voices, she knows it's never left his line of sight. Their words are just for show. Her and Elliot have never needed words to communicate, and maybe that's their failing because they've never been able to string together three coherent sentences about their feelings. But at a time like this, when they're staring each other down at an awkward triangle with Belle standing in the lobby of 1PP, the silence speaks louder. Maybe it always has. He texts her later, after she's driven back to the precinct. She's making a brief appearance with the squad before she swings in, to debrief with the other two down at OCCB headquarters shortly. Thanks. Didn't know you'd kept that. For my friend Elliot, always. She sets down the phone and feels a smile flit across her face as she brushes her fingertips along the cool ridges of metal. She'll continue wearing the medallion, continue standing by his side, yelling at him if necessary, of course, Because there's no place she'd rather be than with him. Two halves of a whole. That's what they are, her and Elliot. Always. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page, and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com/slash/AudioFanficPod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.